Hello and welcome to the Interim Champion Boxing Podcast with Raskin and Mulvaney. Along with my co-host Eric Raskin, I am Kira Mulvaney. Eric, we normally do a little bit of banter before we get going, but we've got no time for that. No time at all. We are on the clock, buddy. Yeah, we sure are on the clock, Kieran. It is 10 o'clock exactly uh, in the morning, Eastern time uh, right now as we record this. And at 11 a.m., my house will start to fill with 17-year-old girls. And there isn't a podcasting studio on the planet soundproofed enough to keep that kind of noise out. Uh, My daughter has a late December birthday, so we're usually away on a trip for her birthday. So she's having a delayed birthday brunch. Nine of her friends are coming over, and once the first one arrives, Otis will begin barking. So so we have that to contend with. But, uh, you know, if that was all it was, we could pause recording for a minute or two and continue, uh, you know, if that was going to be the worst of it. But uh, but no, that will not be the worst of it. Any group of more than like two or three girls is always going to be loud. Pretty much from like age five to age 80, you get 10 females together who are all friends (laughs) with each other. And it's basically as loud as a Tito Trinidad crowd at Madison Square Garden. (laughs) So uh, so we are recording on a deadline here today, Kieran. This is a pressure packed podcast recording. Uh, I guess you could basically think of it as a diehard on a Zoom connection. (laughs) I'm just extremely glad you added the context. Had you just left it with 11 a.m., my house is going to be filled with 17 year old girls. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> that that wouldn't have been good. No, yeah. There, that, could, have, there could have been a lot of issues, especially the, when you the, start talking about how much noise they're going to make. <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. No, the the authorities would have shut down this podcast right quick. It would have been two episodes of ICBP and done. Yep. Yep. That's it. But but no, look, dude, I, I hear you. I mean, I've got similar issues here. I, I'm in the room. I've got the door shut, but Two kittens working together, man. It's only so long that I'm going to be able to hold them off before they come (laughs) bursting in through the door and start climbing up my legs. I actually have noticed that I have a large number of very small puncture wounds up and down my body now. Oh, dear. Because because the little kittens uh, haven't quite yet figured out how to retract their claws. And one of them in particular is basically part kitten part mountain goat it's (laughs) i'm now at that stage where it's like okay nothing in the house is safe she can already climb everything so good times my friend good times which which one is that is that kata or katba that's kata okay i assume we're no closer to names yet no we're very 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 close but there's not but there's still now the uh the, the the marination time as we uh, as we just like try it out and make sure it all works okay. before there's the official announcement. Perhaps, you know, with our with our next new podcast can be the official unveiling of the official names. That would wow. be exciting. That's going to be a subscriber only deal. I was I was just going to say what a tease to get people to sign up and pay the nine ninety five right? a month. So if you want to know the cat names next week, you you're going to pay for it, people. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's hard to know how we could, I mean, probably you guys are already looking forward to next week knowing that, but we do have a <laughs> podcast in the interim, uh, and it actually should be quite a fun pod, uh, episode this week. Um, in a throwback to something we did a few times on the HBO podcast, Eric and I are going to engage in a snake draft, and the theme is the fights we most want to see in 2024. In the end, we'll each have drafted a four-fight mega card. And then we'll open up a poll on Substack so you can let us know which card you like better. And I am prepared to offer bribes and money off your subscriptions. So <laughs> just bear that in mind. But first, we have a couple of very quick fights and a controversial stoppage to review, one notable fight to preview, and an assortment of news topics to cover, uh, starting with a major heavyweight fight that's been announced, Eric. 
Yeah, this is the clear main event of the Newsweek. The announcement coming Friday night that Anthony Joshua, fresh off his emphatic win over Otto Valin, will take on MMA star Francis Ngannou. 0-1 as a pro boxer, but that one fight on his record was a very narrow loss in October to heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. The fight is set for March 8th in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on pay-per-view. The date and site organizers had earmarked for Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Instead, we're getting, I suppose, the next biggest thing, if not the next best thing. Uh, the fight is scheduled for 10 rounds. The undercard may include Zhang Zhilei, it may include Wilder, and uh, ESPN's Dan Raphael reports that a heavyweight bout between Philip Hergovich and Joseph Parker is in the works, but not for this card. Uh, but back to the topic at hand, AJ versus Ngano. Kieran, do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you begrudge AJ choosing Ngano over a more proven contender? Do you give Ngano, who I'm seeing as a plus 325 underdog, a chance at the upset? Unload your gut reactions. I neither love nor hate it, which okay. is a testament to how well Ngannou performed against Tyson Fury, because yeah. more than you, I basically hated that matchup when it was announced all the way up until it actually happened, I think. Um, Ngannou does have a shot for the reasons that he showed us against Tyson Fury that he has a shot. He is immensely strong. He can seriously punch. Um, and he does have, as we discussed immediately prior to that Tyson Fury fight and afterwards, he does have decent boxing skills. Uh, we also know that AJ may not have the sturdiest of chins when put under pressure, but when Joshua has lost, it's been to guys with good hand speed and, in the case of Alexander Usyk, truly exceptional technique and ability. And, and I doubt that Ngannou is skilled enough or fast enough truly to trouble Certainly the kind of Anthony Joshua we just saw against Otto Valin, particularly given that AJ is going to be going into that fight having seen Fury and Garnu, and he will not take him anything like as lightly as Tyson Fury obviously did. Um, do I begrudge AJ this fight for taking this over a more proven contender? Actually, no, not necessarily. Uh, partly because, you know, who are those more proven contenders uh, realistically it's two names that you've already mentioned as uh, being possibilities for uh, their own fights philip hergovich and 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 Zhai zhang both of whom though especially at this stage i think tilt far more to the risk than the reward side of the equation yeah. for aj um yes in the aftermath of his valine win aj said he was all about titles this if he wins won't get him one of those but i kind of have a i, I it leaves me wondering if maybe he and his team are betting a little bit on Fury beating Usyk, because if Fury does beat Usyk, and then Joshua beats Ngannou far more impressively than Fury did, mm -hmm. then on the back of that performance against Valine, suddenly now, when we talked about this last week, you brought it up about how you know AJ Fury might be a more uh, a sellable proposition now. Um, you could suddenly make a pretty convincing case that he could beat Fury, um, especially if Fury struggles with Usyk. And then in the meantime... AJ earns himself plenty of money, of course. So, like I said, while I neither love nor hate it, it kind of feels like a shrewd choice from Team AJ's perspective, even if the choice may have come down to Turkey Al Al Sheikh is offering you 10 bajillion rials to fight Francis <laughs> Ngannou. Do you want to take the money or not? Yeah, it, no, it, it makes all the business sense in the world for AJ right now and comes with all the upside that you described. I guess the only argument against him doing this 
is the reputational damage if he loses that you know he we we had sort of had some debates uh over recent months is aj a hall of famer is he not i think the auto valine win gets him back on the track of leaning toward in combination with the fact that it seems like any borderline heavyweight eventually gets in but but you know leaning toward yeah aj's on a hall of fame path if he were to lose to an MMA guy with one pro fight, it really derails things reputationally for him. But other than that, this is kind of an all upside kind of choice, it seems. Yeah, I think so. Um, we've also got an assortment of other news items worth mentioning. Uh, one noteworthy fight card has been confirmed on February 8th, the Thursday before the Las Vegas Super Bowl. Uh, ESPN will air from Mandalay Bay. Teofimo Lopez versus Jermaine Ortiz with Kishan Davis versus Jose Sniper Pedraza in the co-feature. A one fight not confirmed, but floated at least. Manny Pacquiao announced an exhibition rematch with Floyd Mayweather. Interestingly, however, the Mayweather side hasn't said a word about it. Um, We left this one out in our delayed reaction pod a few days ago, but Javante Davis has converted to Islam and announced that he's changed his name to Abdul Wahid. Um, Meanwhile, His trainer, Calvin Ford, was arrested in Baltimore on assault charges relating to an alleged incident in Las Vegas. But details of the allegations are scarce. And speaking of arrests, Jarrell Big Baby Miller was arrested in Florida for, quote, carjacking without a firearm or weapon and burglary with assault or battery. Allegedly, he drove a recently repossessed vehicle away from a dealership after allegedly putting a dealership employee in a chokehold and slamming him to the ground. I really do hate hearing this. As as I've mentioned in the past, I really enjoyed Big Baby during our HBO days. He and I did some fun interviews. He liked me. His mama liked me. Um, But, man, it's just been one absurd, absolutely awful mistake after another for him over the last several years. How did he think this if it happened indeed, was actually going to end. Was it like, they'll never recognize me. I don't stand out in the crowd. I'll just blend (laughs) into the background and they'll never catch me. Uh, It just feels like the big baby story isn't going to end very well at the moment. Even the fact that his vehicle was allegedly repossessed in the first place, that doesn't augur well. Um, It's just a damn shame. I I hate the way this is going. But Eric, anything to say about that or any of these other news stories? Yeah, I'll I'll build up to Big Baby, save that for last. I'll start with Teofimo Lopez and Jermaine Ortiz. Uh, as we said, when the matchup was rumored a few weeks back, fine fight. Uh, Lopez should win, but he'll need something close to his A game. If, if he takes this fight lightly for whatever reason, Ortiz is capable of springing the upset. But the bigger story to me here is top rank and ESPN continuing to be smart about programming around mm-hmm. other big sports events. They've done the post-Heisman ceremony thing for a while. Two months ago, they did Vegas on the Thursday of F1 week, although, unfortunately, Shakur Stevenson had his worst performance that night and kind of defeated the whole purpose of it. But this is far bigger. The Super Bowl, a Thursday when there won't be any bigger sports events going on, and the Super Bowl media is in town all week. So I imagine there will be some mainstream outlets and media personalities with nothing better to do that night who decide, let me check out some boxing and and head over to Mandalay. Point is, this fight could get some attention from outlets that normally, you know, only cover boxing every two or three years, specifically to oh so cleverly say that it's a dying sport. So big opportunity here for Teofimo to to cross over into serious stardom with either a thrilling fight or a spectacular victory. As for Maypac 2, the less said, the better. 
my assumption is there isn't actually a deal in place. It's possible there hasn't even been a conversation with the Mayweather team. If and when it happens, I do think there's some podcast conversation to be had. But for now, feels like Mandy just using Floyd's name to promote whatever else he has going on. As for Abdul Wahid, hey, if that's what he wants to be called, that's what I'll call him. I'm, I'm not going to be the modern day version of that asshole who insists on calling Ali Cassius Clay until right. his dying day. <laughs> I do wonder, though, name change, sure. But does the nickname still apply? It, it would be Indeed. helpful to be able to keep calling him Tank. Otherwise, we will have to say Abdul Wahid, formerly known as Javante Davis, pretty much every time his name comes up for a while. But, you know, Abdul Tank Wahid, that's a little more streamlined and doesn't require mm-hmm. all the explanations. So I'm curious about that. I have no comment on Coach Calvin. We, we just don't know enough. Uh, but yep. we do know enough about what Big Baby allegedly did to comment. This guy just can't get out of his own way. I mean, come on, a chokehold and a body slam on an employee yeah. and uh, stealing a car with a tracking device in it. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's maybe the best <laughs> detail of all. Um, here's the thing. If you're broke and you have no money, then, you know, desperate people, desperate measures, all that, a little more forgivable. But he just fought in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. He had to have at least a few hundred thousand dollars in his bank account, if not millions, it is much harder to excuse idiocy like this when you have the money to pay for the truck. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just don't get what, what's happening there. It's just, it's not a good scene at all. No, but anyway, we should probably move on. Um, Saturday night brought us the first semi-significant fight card of 2024 on the zone from Virgin hotels in Las Vegas. Virgil Ortiz Jr. Made his return. After a 17-month absence due to health struggles, moved up from welterweight for a fight with a 156-pound limit against journeyman Frederick Lawson. And after just two minutes and 33 seconds, referee Tony Weeks stopped the fight with Lawson covering up against the ropes, taking punches. But to say this was an unpopular stoppage would be an understatement. Um, We'll talk about that in a bit, but the nuts and bolts are that Virgil Ortiz moves to 20-0 with 20 KOs. He barely got a chance to show anything or shake off any rust or test himself and find out how he was able to do in the ring after such a long time off. And unfortunately, Weeks became a huge part of the story, just as he was last May, when he controversially stopped the Raleigh Romero-Ismael Barroso fight. And as it so happens, the co-feature on Saturday saw the same. Ismail Barroso, age 76, score an upset first round KO over O'Hara Davis, earning himself an interim belt at 140 pounds and perhaps a rematch with Romero. Eric, can't imagine you have too much analysis to offer on what we saw from Virgil Ortiz. But what's in your mind about him, about Tony Weeks, which I suspect might be the majority of your response, Mm -hmm. and for that matter, about the Barroso Davis fight? Yeah, well, you're you're damn right. I have nothing profound to say about Ortiz. He, you know, he made it to the ring seemingly in fine health. That's at least a minor accomplishment right there. Um, He looked good. He he was throwing his punch as well. He was going to the head and the body both Uh, looked like the same Virgil Ortiz we know and love. But Lawson wasn't providing any resistance yet. uh, And it was over before it started just about. So I really can't grade or analyze or critique Ortiz's performance. I can grade, analyze, critique Tony Weeks's performance. Actually, why don't I let our friend Breadman Edwards uh, start us off. Bread tweeted that it was, quote, the most premature stoppage in boxing history, exclamation point. Um, I would have to do some thinking and some research to confirm (laughs) or deny that claim, but certainly 
it's hard to think of anything more premature off the top of my head. I truly don't know what prompted Weeks to step in there. Um, Beto Duran on the broadcast said that Weeks said to him right afterward that he saw Lawson's eyes roll back. I don't know. He was so covered up. I'm, I'm not sure how Weeks would have seen that. When he stopped the Romero Barroso fight, a month or so later, Weeks did an interview with Michael Woods and admitted it was a premature stoppage, um, but, you know, also excused it, saying he doesn't have the benefit of slow-mo replay. And from from his angle, it looked like Barroso was in real trouble and he had to make that split second decision. So, again, that was a terrible stoppage, but at least we can begin to understand what he was thinking. This one, this one tells me. Weeks's refereeing radar is just way off all of a sudden. Um, we just got done talking on the last pod about the newly retired Kenny Bayless. And now here's Weeks, a, a once great ref, and all signs point to him no longer being up to the task. He's 67 years old. Not really what I'd consider old, old, but two way off the mark panicky stoppages in an eight month span. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure how he bounces back from this. Uh, Nevada now has a referee shortage problem, it would seem, but mm. you can't really use Tony Weeks for big fights right now. He's got to either retire or slowly work his way back up and prove he can still do the job. Um, back to Ortiz for a second. Um, he's calling out Tim Zhu now. Um, I don't want to step on the toes of our fights we want to see draft, but I will just say that I love that fight in theory, but Ortiz... I think has to have at least one more fight first that goes more than two and a half minutes. Uh, I think, I think it'd be a mistake for him to go right into a a Tim zoo fight. As for Barroso Davies, what can you say? Barroso is 40 years old. You said he looks 76. Uh, Realistically, honestly, he looks at least 55 facially. Um, I'm sorry. This is a man who is eight years younger than I am. He's athletically, 20 years younger than me, uh, but from <laughs> from the neck up, he looks 20 years older than me. Uh, despite his age, though, he, he can really fight, and he clearly yeah. has some pop. And this this was a good first-round stoppage by the referee. Davis yep. was hurt and, and went down twice and was not recovering quickly. And uh, I'm actually kicking myself for not betting it because I saw Barroso as like a plus 350 underdog. And it seemed crazy, but I assumed the odds makers knew more about Davies than I did. Um, nope, should have should have trusted my instinct that you know Barroso could fight and and you should be favored against most fringe contender types. Oh well, um, but you know he now has an interim title. We love interim titles here at the ICPP. Uh, <laughs> he's a mandatory to Raleigh Romero, although he may have to wait if Ryan Garcia chooses to fight Romero next. That's a whole nother topic, but uh, good for Barroso. This was probably the best victory of his 19-year career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he looked absolutely terrific. I, it's really hard to not really be rooting for Barroso, not just mm-hmm. for what happens to him last year, but having this kind of late career surge uh, and showing that you can really fight. Yeah. Tony, look, I like Tony very much personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been a fantastic referee. We will always have Corrales Castillo. Thanks to yes. him. Um, but it just goes to show, I think, you know, at any level, if you're involved in any level of, of, of top rate athletic endeavor, whether you're an official or the athlete participating, once you, if you lose a little bit off your off your fastball, then it it just doesn't take that much. Um, at fifty five, which is almost as old as Barroso, I'm certainly not as sharp as I was at forty five. So, 
add another 10 years or 12 years. And yeah, 67 isn't old, but to be a participant in really, really high level athletic competition, mm-hmm. even if you're just the official, it's, I don't know, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And not just high level athletic competition, but high level athletic competition with people's lives at stake. It's, there's well, a lot of pressure for a well, boxing exactly. referee. So. Yeah. And normally, you know, I'm very much the guy who's like, err on the side of caution. Absolutely err on the side of caution. But, you know, I'm two minutes into a fight. Right. That's really erring on the side of caution. Right. We were we were still about 20 landed punches away from caution entering the equation, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah agreed. Bizarre. So those were the lone fights of note this weekend. Uh, There is a single fight worth previewing this coming weekend in Quebec City on Saturday on ESPN. Light heavyweight champion Artur Beterbiev, who is 19-0, all 19 wins coming by knockout, defends against Callum Smith, 29-1, 21 KOs. I spoke a bit about this on the previous pod and my thoughts on whether Smith could spoil the Beterbiev-Bivol plans. What do you think, Kieran? Do, Do you give your Liverpool boy Smith a chance? I guess technically there's always a chance. Um, And as you mentioned last week, you know, better be of his 38 and and anyone can get old overnight. But it seems to me that Smith's only real hope is to mostly keep better be at a distance. He will have a sizable reach advantage. And when better be does manage to close that distance, almost immediately tie him up. Uh, He cannot. He's got to. He's got to make this fight a bit ugly. I think Callum Smith, if he's going to have a chance, he cannot let Beterbiev do to him what Canelo did, um, whacking him to the body up against the ropes for twelve rounds. That's going to end most unpleasantly if he does that against uh, Artur Beterbiev. There is a path for Smith to take a points win, but it's a very, very narrow path, and it is perched precariously on the edge of a very steep cliff. Um, a better BF KO in somewhere like round eight feels like a pretty decent bet to me for that fight. Yeah, yeah, I, I see something similar probably. All right, let's get to the main event of this podcast. Uh, everyone in the boxing media cranks out their fights I want to see lists at the start of every calendar year. And they all do it the same boring way. Not so here at the Interim Champion Boxing Podcast. We're going to make a snake draft of it. Here are the rules. One of us picks first, then the other person gets two picks, then two, then two, then one, until we've each assembled a roster of four fights. But there can be no overlaps. So if I pick, say, Butterbean versus Bart Gunn, uh, Kieran, you cannot make a fight involving either Butterbean or Bart Gunn, much as you would like to. Um, Any fight (laughs) involving active fighters is allowed, including fights that are indeed signed for this year already. Fights that would be rematches of fights that have already happened, etc. And when we're done, uh, we will put it to a poll on our Substack and let you, the listeners, decide who has assembled the superior four-fight card. Uh, and now we will determine live on air who gets the first pick. It's quality uh, stuff, this isn't it? It really is. Even though we are an audio-only podcast, we will do a <laughs> video just for a moment, just just to verify things. I'm going to turn my video on. You can turn yours on if you want as well, Kieran. You don't actually have to because you're not showing anything. Um, I was going to flip a coin, and then I realized I started uh, recording and don't have a coin anywhere nearby. Uh, oh, but good, I do, neither I, do I. I was, I was about <laughs> to say I hope you've got a coin. <laughs> I don't. I don't, but I have uh, – you see I'm holding up here. I have a deck of cards. Ah, um, I will give it a, a shuffle or two. And then uh, why don't you just say red or black and I'll cut the cards, hold it up to the camera 
and we'll see uh, if you guessed correctly, red or black. And uh, if you get it correct, you have the first pick. So I have cut okay. the cards. I am holding them down. You can't see them. Red or black. My I am red, ready. Please. It is black. It is black, sir. The three of Very clubs. Well. Uh, so that means I get the first pick. And I'm turning my camera back Just off immediately to screw the awkwardness. Strategy. I based everything <laughs> on winning that first, but here we go. I almost wanted you to pick first because I think the two the two three picks yeah. are kind of more fascinating. Yeah. Um yeah. so there's all right, so I get the first pick, and there is a very obvious fight that probably should be the first pick. I think uh, basically, I have two options here for what I want to headline my card with. The obvious fight, which I'm 99% sure is what I will go with. Producing quality podcast content like this doesn't come easy. And we are, oh, so very poor. So if you would like to listen to the rest of this, please click the necessary button and subscribe. <laughs>